Welcome to the Health Science Podcast. Anne and I were not able to get together for a recording session, so here's my solo interview with Staff Sergeant Ryan Lamberson from the U.S. Army. Enjoy. The military seems like a place where everybody matters. Like if you're, at least looking from the outside, it looks like every member of a unit is super important whatever unit that is and yes it's a system but it's a system that seems like once you're in like you're valued and important as a person and as a part of a unit and that sort of stuff and so I don't know if you had anything to yeah no I I like that perspective and I definitely think that it comes down to the individual uh, with that about you pushing for what you want because there's a lot of different avenues or things to take advantage of uh, within the military, but you can sit back and not really engage and just do the minimal duties of your job and feel like like you're not being taken care of or that you're not mm-hmm. valued. But if you put forth some effort and and push yourself, then you have really like boundless opportunities mm-hmm. in front of you to be able to execute a whole bunch of different things, whether it's for your education or it's for your physical attributes or your team camaraderie, like leadership skills, you can push for those things. But um, like to be candid, there's a lot of, of military personnel that go through the program and they feel like they're not taken care of hmm. or um, that it didn't set them up for success, but they were also the people that didn't try to take advantage. That's like saying that the high school system doesn't set you up for success because a lot of the students don't really put forth the effort to try to do whatever they need to do. Whether And you can say that there's difficulty in that with the high school system and that it doesn't look out for everybody, but you're your biggest supporter and so yeah it seems like the it seems like the military would have and very few people are in the military i think one percent less than one percent less than one percent and is that active military or is that that's, have that's ever throughout been the military oh um like including veterans or yeah so it's less than one percent of the population have ever served yeah and so it's already a pretty select group of people but it seems like the military has every incentive to make sure that every person in the military is functional within that system, right? Where it's a different system than like the U of O track team where you only need a handful of very elite athletes to win a national title, you know? Right. And if you can recruit 100 athletes and you only need 10, well, you could have a 90% failure rate and still win a national title. Right. Where it yeah. seems like the military would want to, has every incentive to make sure that every single, all hundred recruits are successful. You know, whereas there's a different incentive structure for the U of O. 
But yes. Well, the military's philosophy is that they're going to take anybody from the general population that meets the basic requirements for service, and they're going to be able to build them up to lead from the front, to manage an organization, to have a specific uh, skill set and career field that they're a part of, and have longevity in that career field to be able to have a retirement. And so those are kind of the foundations of what is going to make up a soldier. And their overall, the, the overall look that the Army tries to have is that everybody is going to have their place mm-hmm. within that organization. And it is true. I mean, everything from, we have everything from human resources and truck drivers to surgeons and pilots and so everybody has their place if we don't have a logistical system that is going to be able to move goods from one place to another then we're not able to facilitate that medical care being um, taken care of because they don't have supplies you know, right that's something right. that that we saw with covid happening right you know is that supply chain makes a huge difference yeah, a surgeon. So it, you know, it's only, like a surgeon's only as good as the truck drivers that are getting the the equipment to that surgeon. Right. Yeah. And so the army operates as as a city, and so any politician, anybody that you know cares about the community that they're a part of, wants wants their community to have a place and to feel wanted within that community. And that's going to help the overall community thrive and right. and succeed. And so to be to be the world's leading force, then they need to push that incentive. Um, over the years, the army has also changed drastically in the sense of making sure that you're set up for civilian life when you get out, whether that's after three years or 20 years. Um, So they've implemented a lot of programs to make sure that you get the skills and trades that you want, uh, the certifications, the college degrees. Um, They want more well-rounded individuals and not just focused on serving for that four years and then getting out and like, good luck to you, thanks for your service, where you know, that might have been more along the lines during, during the World Wars and even into Vietnam. Um, but after Vietnam, the programs and incentives definitely changed to make it, make it more lucrative for somebody that is going to be serving their country to be able to have a sustained life and career outside of the military. Does does that make better soldiers as well, do you think? I definitely think that it does. Um, to be able to to feel like you're, you mean something within the organization and to have that sense of pride in the organization that you're a part of, it definitely translates to having a more cohesive unit and team. And really being a part of that team is 
is what drives the military forward and you continuing to progress and you see from the moment that you that you join that there's mentors and leaders the whole way through and so you never really feel like you're alone in that situation in whatever situation it is you feel like you have somebody that you can turn to to be able to help guide you that's been through the experiences that you've been through and i think that that is something that you don't get with many other organizations you know and that's that's weird it's it, that's been a subject for the last couple podcasts we've on talk about mentors so we we i interviewed my mentor um from from college track uh lance deal and you know so we were talking about mentors and i'm wondering if just mentorship is just a rare commodity in the world right now like we're i think we have really good systems for developing talent or, or developing certain results but we're a little short on mentors guiding people through those systems you know and like what example that i gave i have a i have like 160 students I think I'm a pretty good teacher. I, I think I've set up good classes, and I think we do interesting stuff. But I'm still learning my students' names, and so it's 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 a it's difficult to be a mentor for 160 people. I'm guessing it's impossible to be a mentor for 160 people. Um, but the military seems, and again, this is looking from the outside. I'm not a military person at all, but looking from the outside, it does seem like the military would be a place where mentorship would be easier to come by. Than, than in a lot of other environments. For sure. I mean, from the time that you join, it's a constant progression through a career path. And so whatever career that you join as, whether it's a medic or it's a truck driver or a combat engineer, they start basically from the bottom and work their way up. So the all the leaders that you have, they didn't just come in and be in that leadership position. So they have that experience from working at the lowest level and there's certain tasks that you need to hit in order to progress through the ranks and and every step along the way there's courses and classes that you need to take in order to be a leader. Yeah. Cuz everything is geared towards you becoming a leader within the organization. So they don't just hope that this is going to happen and whoever, whoever makes it miraculously, it, they're deemed a leader. There's certain benchmarks that you have to meet in order to become the leader that you want to be within an organization. And like I said, there's mentors along that whole way. So you always have the ability to reach out to the soldier to the left and the right of you in order to progress and you're constantly having to teach the new guys and girls of what the organization is like in order for them to be able to succeed. So right from the get-go, you're, you're thrust into positions where you and your teammates are trying to get better and more cohesive, and there's going to be leaders that are identified at that level, right? But then there's also every tier, there's more and more leaders and they're there to help push. They know that the army is gonna last forever. And so they need to make sure that they're training and educating the lowest levels to take over their positions when they eventually retire. Right, and I, you know, it's, it's, 
and correct me if I'm wrong here, but every general in the army went through basic training. Right. Yes. Right. I mean, I, I don't know of another organization that operates like that. I guess, you know, maybe in schools, like every building principal has to be a teacher for at least three years or, or a counselor. But I, I think that's kind of a unique thing that the highest levels in, in the army go through this. Everybody goes to the same basic training. Like that's such a touchstone that would, would connect everybody in a shared experience. Right. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That shared experience is what it's all about. And that's um, embracing those difficult situations and working through um, tasks as a team. And, you know, those the leaders within the organization, they're not forgetting where they came from in that sense, knowing that that they had to go out and pick up trash, you know, or right. mow the lawns for the areas. Uh, when they were a private and as they progress through they realize that they need to take care of their guys because their guys are going to be the ones that are making sure that those trade routes are being taken care of and that all of the, the little things or the behind the scenes activities that is that's the foundation of the army the leaders are going to be the ones that implement uh, pr policies and procedures and give guidance, but you need everybody to the lowest level to be able to have buy-in to the organization. And that mentorship and guidance provides that stability and that buy-in to the organization to be able to prosper. Yeah, that's, I, 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 I think it's really, inter I, I think it's a really interesting setup. And, and anyway, I, I think, I think it touches on something that's kind of rare in our society right now. Can, can we can we shift gears and talk about how how the military set up to support students going into the the healthcare field? Right. So there's a couple of different ways that that can happen. Um, first, I'll start off with having no medical experience and joining the army. So there's over, there's 12 basic jobs that you can join the Army to do within the medical field. And that's with no medical training. So that's anywhere from being a behavioral health tech to a combat medic to a physical therapy tech. And that will get you into the door of the medical field and you go through training for four months to a year and a half, depending on you know the type of job that you choose. Whereas an x-ray tech goes through a lot more training than a medic because they're having to learn you know, the body systems and how to take the, the pictures that they need to take, how to read uh, the images, and um, how to work the equipment. So like the training just depends on, on the technical aspects. Um, that also correlates directly. All of the training that you do correlates to college semester hours. So for me, I'm a medic, and when you go through basic training and you go through your, it's called advanced individual training, so that's for your specific job, like being a medic or being a, a behavioral health tech, all that training 
counts as college credits. So I came out of training with 63 college credits. I took care of all of my electives and my anatomy and physiology. Okay. So that's specific to being a medic. Whereas as an x-ray tech, then it is gonna correlate more directly to um, whatever the training is that they go through. Um, or behavioral health is more psychology driven, right? So that'll take care of their psychology and maybe a behavioral science class. Um, and so that automatically like puts you ahead of the game. Taking care of all of those college credits um, is a huge, huge aspect uh, to kind of getting yourself like ahead of the curve. Um, and then when you get done with training, you go to your regular unit and there you're constantly taking college classes. Our, our producer is messing up. The, Sorry. This, the Fiona just walked in. She's our, <laughs> Hi, Fiona. <laughs> Trying to get my life together right now. Okay. Um, yeah, we jumped the gun on interviewing uh, Sergeant okay. Ryan Lamberson here. Yeah. Um, we're we're gonna edit that part out unless I forget. Um, but uh, let's talk about. So, what's the timeline on that? Because I think the college credits are something that's really important. But man, I can remember when I was 17, 18 years old, the world was moving way too slow. Like I wanted to get in and start doing stuff you know immediately so what's the timeline if you because again everyone's going to go through basic training you learn how to be the, the basics of a soldier first and right. then kind of branch out into yes. what area okay so from the time you start basic training how soon are you are you practicing as let's say a medic so i mean it's hands-on basically right away so like as a medic you do 10 weeks of basic training that's what everybody does Okay. So 10 weeks of basic training. And then you go to Fort Sam Houston, Texas, is where all of the medical training happens. And right away, first portions is your EMT license. So you're sitting through PowerPoints and you're doing classwork to learn body systems and procedures of how to conduct yourself as an EMT. And, and you get your EMT license. So all of that is education, hands-on portions that you have to do, and that takes two months. Then after those two months, you switch over to more of the like combat medic side. And so that's the trauma and treatment side, dealing with kind of being in a deployed setting, um, treating those more traumatic injuries, uh, gunshot wounds or blast injuries, things like that. And that is definitely all hands-on, so that's just situational-based training that thrusts you right into dealing with those kind of situations and taking on those stressful situations and how to mitigate that stress and still perform under um, extreme stress, right? Right, um, right, yeah. Um, situations where you need to have a, a calm and cool collected head to be able to treat the casualties that you have so I'd say within the first month of you getting to training is when you're really gonna have hands-on portions and feel like you're actually taking care of patients. Um, so, but then you do that full four months, you go to your duty station after that, right after, and that's 
that's when you'll start seeing actual patients. And so you're working at a clinic, or you could be working at a hospital in the emergency room, or you could be working in immunizations and giving shots. There's a whole, whole lot of different aspects of where a medic can fit in with an organization. Or you could be in a line unit, which is more with the infantry, and so that's training that trauma side and setting up tents in a you know deployed, austere environment. So you don't have hard stand buildings. So you're learning how to operate with mobile equipment, um, and you do everything from setting up X-ray capabilities and lab capabilities, and learning how to operate each of those systems, so that if something happens. Um, then you know how to fix fix that situation. You know how to do the lab work. You know how to read the radiology, um, x-rays. And so for me, that was one of the main reasons I joined as a medic was because I felt like I'd have the widest scope. And so that scope would allow me to get a lot of different training and allow my mind to not kind of get tired mm-hmm. of, of one specific focus. Um, and so that was, that was somewhere that my mind went when I joined um, that I wanted to take advantage of and also because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do um, within the medical field. So I wanted to have the ability to be introduced to all of these different facets within the medical field so that I could then choose okay, I like behavioral health more. I want to work with the mind and psychology of the soldiers and be able to help them manage the stress that they're dealing with and cope and, and move forward and be the, the proficient soldier that they should and want to be. So that's, that's really neat. How, does, how do you get to choose what area of the military you go into? Is there aptitude tests? Does, does your commanding officer say you should be a medic, you should be a artillery person, you should be, or, or is there a certain amount of choice that's involved for, for people going in? Right, so you do take an aptitude test uh, before you join the military. So that's one of the first things that you do is you take what's called the ASVAB, and that's, that's based on 10 different sections that the ASVAB makes up, and it helps to identify if you'd be good combat-wise or in the medical field or with admin or uh, a whole host of other attributes. Um, And so the better that you score on that, the more options are available to you. And um, from there, once you see what options are available and how well you, you do on the test, it'll show you exactly what jobs that you qualify for. And then before you even before you sign uh, a contract or anything like that, you actually select the job that you want. It'll tell you in there on the reservation what the time frame is. So if it's a three or four year contract, if there's a bonus with it, which is up to forty thousand dollars, and where your training is going to be, and obviously the specific job. So. And that's specific all the way down to you picking to be a medic or a behavioral health tech, not just in the medical field or gotcha. okay. in the engineering field. So you get to, to pick. So that's one of the, the benefits with the Army is being able to 
choose the job that you want before you sign any contract. Oh, interesting. What what if everybody chooses to be uh, um, an, art, an artillery person and there's not enough med techs? Right. So. So the system is kind of complicated to, to yeah. go over. It's a live fire system that covers the whole nation. Okay. So um, you go in there and you make, we make a reservation for you. Um, whatever it is that you, that you test. Let's say that you got a 99 on the test, which is the highest that you could get. So, okay, all the options are open to you. But that doesn't mean that all of the jobs are gonna be in the system that they need people gotcha. right then. Okay. So, um, so gotcha. So it's a little bit of avail. You get to choose from a menu of jobs that are available according to your your aptitude. Right. Okay. So, so for example, makes sense. Infantry or medic or a mechanic. Those jobs a lot of the time are available because those are the first, second, and third largest jobs within the military. Gotcha. Uh, whereas being a pharmacy tech or a physical therapy tech is just less likely for it to populate in the system because there's a lot less of those occupations. So not to say that it's not going to be there and we can also request if it's not in the system to get that job. Um, and like I said, the first steps though are to get yourself pre-qualified, which means that you have that test completed and it shows that you're um, like intellectually able to perform this job. And then you see what jobs are available and you select a job. So, and that's before you commit to the army or anything like that. Yeah, that's, I, I didn't realize that portion of it, that you, you would get to see what you're going into before you even sign. Yes. That's, that, that's pretty, pretty impressive. What about what about finances? I you know I usually ask my students every year, would you sell a kidney to pay for college? And and I'm you know and so students overwhelmingly say yes, I would sell my kidney to pay for college. Now I mean I don't they're not going under the knife to, to do that, but right um, finances are a big concern for students. Fiona, are, are you concerned about finances in yes. college? Will you sell a kidney? No. Okay. Well, Fiona's got morals. She likes to keep her kidneys. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so finances are, are a big deal. How much does it cost to uh, go through the military's training program? It's free. So, um, to go through the military's training programs, all of it's free, and you get paid the whole time. So. Right when you leave for basic training, you start getting paid. Um, it's just like a, a regular job that you apply for and sign a contract for in the sense of, I, I think that one of, the, one of the major things with the military is feeling like, especially for students just coming out of high school, is they just did four years of high school and they're thinking about committing to four years of college and then the like another option is okay i got to commit and sign a contract for four years of military and uh, and i don't know if i'm going to like it right and so that signing a contract is is very scary uh to think about 
um, making that commitment for four years. But it's just the same as if you were to sign a contract for working at Intel and you're salary based. You're going to sign a contract that says that you're going to get paid this much and you're going to you know, devote this many hours and that you're going to um, be on salary for this amount of time. That's, and that they're promising you that you're going to have this job within Intel. That's just the same as the military, except we're going to send you through all the training that you need to go through in order to be um, qualified within your profession. And so any, that's just one of the things mm -hmm. that I see as a, a kind of a hang-up um, that kind of holds people up from looking more into the option of the military. And, uh, and I totally understand that. But they're going to pay for all of your, your college. They're going to pay for all of the training that you go through. And you get money on top of that to pay for whatever it is, or you can save it. Um, they take care of your meals and they take care of your housing um, and then they have a lot of other benefits that come along with it as well um, that are probably like later on down the line but you know purchasing homes or uh, small business loans that they provide that are definitely great to take advantage of you get into a 401k as well uh, and they match five percent of that um, and so talking about money right so paying, paying for college, the post 9-11 GI Bill is the program that will pay for a four-year degree. And so that is the highest, the highest public rate for college within your state or wherever you want to live. Okay. okay. So they'll pay the highest rate. There's also what they call yellow ribbon schools that are private schools. So they might have a higher, you're fine. I just want to see it. So they might have a higher um, tuition than other public schools, but they have an agreement with the army to have a reduced rate so that the GI Bill takes care of that. And the GI Bill will also pay for housing for you while you're going to school full time, so that you don't have to worry about you know having a, a job and working a full time job on the side of going to school and trying to focus on that, um, they help you pay for housing so that you can really focus on the education that you want to get. Um, and you can use that once you get out, too. And okay. so while you're in, they pay $4,000 uh, per year for college, um, which the military has certain colleges that work directly with the military and are very military friendly that will have a lot of the programs that you want to take care of, especially your core classes um, and, and electives that are only going to be $250 per semester hour. And so that goes a long way with your whole military career, you can use tuition assistance. So we have people within the military that have gone to get their master's degree and then they just keep taking classes because they want to see what underwater basking, basket weaving is like or they want to see if you know psychology interests them. Different avenues that they just want to take classes in, they can take those classes. Um, you just got to make sure that you're passing those classes or else you have to pay it back. 
That right? makes sense. So they want you to focus on it. So that's one of the biggest things that the Army is pushing is for you to have that education. So you can't progress all the way up to the highest ranks without having you know, at least a bachelor's degree. Um, and most likely a master's degree is what it's moving towards. So um, you can still have a lucrative career without going to college, but it definitely pays to take, take advantage of these opportunities, get your college paid for. Oh, that's, that, I mean, that makes sense. Um, are there any contraindications? Is, is, are, there, are there people or types of people that would say the military is probably not for you if you have this situation or you're, you're this type of person? Is there? Well, it's a, it's a really easy process to go through. Uh, for a pre-qualification to make sure that you don't have any medical issues that are going to limit you, uh, that you don't have major law violations that are going to keep you from being able to serve. Um, and that's really quick to go over, easy to identify. Um, the thing that I run into the most is um, height and weight issues, so being overweight and then also not being able to pass the basic high school level test in order to qualify for any job. Is this a fitness test or is this a, um, so the this ASVAB? Is the ASVAB. Okay, gotcha. So the ASVAB. So um, it's, we have practice tests that we do that are 20 to 30 minutes and anybody can, can do those and I can email that test out. Um, and so that will give you a basis to know what you qualify for. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. But there, I see failing that as something that keeps people from joining. Um, and then also the height and weight. Um, the next ones is law violations or medical conditions. So taking prescription medications for different diagnoses. Uh, and like currently being treated by a healthcare provider for whatever issues that the gotcha. person has going on. Now, as far as like height and weight um, sort of stuff, if, if someone is overweight, like my understanding is you guys run fitness classes at the Hillsborough right. um, office. You, you want to like describe, I, I think that's such a cool idea. Like, do you, do you mind talking about those for a little bit? Or? Yeah, so I mean, every, right now we have it just every week on Thursdays at 4 p.m. at the Hillsboro office, um, right by the Burger King, that we do workouts. Um, it, we've gone through so many workouts within all of our like careers um, that we also help just develop dietary plans and uh, at-home workouts for, for the applicants that come through, or even just we have uh, a number of people that don't necessarily want to join the military, but they know that we do the workouts and they come do the workouts with us. Um, so it's definitely like a, a great part of our program that we're able to take that time aside and do these workouts. Um, and it's really just getting yourself committed to coming to them. Um, that's the hardest part is changing up your routine and making that something that you want to implement. 
Um, but we also do those programs that we provide people with to be able to take home and do home workouts that they don't have any equipment to work out with. Um, and we do see improvement, but um, it's that dedication and devotion. You're not going to make large strides necessarily from coming once a week. So we, we give you kind of the, the education um, and go over you know, how to lift properly and the mechanics and show you how to do different exercises so that you can do them on your own um, and not injure yourself um, and improve off of that. And so that's, that's mainly where, where that training comes in is educating people on how to lift properly or run properly and do running classes. Um, that way you don't get you know, shin splints or stress fractures from just coming off of the video game couch and jumping into going and running. That's, that's really, and, the, and there's no charge for these? These are free, you have to sign up somewhere or? Um, no, there's no charge at all. You come to the office, uh, we go through like pre-qualification um, checklist to just make sure that you're healthy enough to be able to, to do it. If you're, um, the only thing is that we want you to be 16 years of age um, to be able to come to the events. Um, and if you and if you decide to um, pursue the army uh, and want to join, then we can help you with that. But also, we're not there. Our main job is to to provide information to students and people within the community about the Army. Um, and so we take this opportunity to educate the community about physical fitness and taking their health serious and what kind of an impact that that can have on your life and your, your mental health and just your overall well-being. And there's a whole philosophy behind it that we like to go over, especially with new people that come in. And um, it's definitely a nice program to be able to, to t just take advantage of. The Army gives us that opportunity to pay us to uh, educate others. And so it's a fun and neat way for us to be able to give back. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a great thing if you're even thinking about the military. It seems like it'd be a great way to like start engaging with people in the military and, and see if it's a see if it's a fit for you yeah see if it if it vibes with you I think yeah. that a lot of the students say that word now <laughs> vibes. <Yeah. laughs> um, you know the other I, I you touched on something before too because you and I we, we've talked a lot over the last couple of years and you've done a lot of or in, in the Hillsborough office has done a lot of really great things for for our school and but when you come into the classroom like I really feel like you're here to help all the students not necessarily to like get all the students to sign up for the army and, and I and I really appreciate it I don't I don't think you'd be in my classes otherwise like I'm, I'm, so, I'm so thankful and so impressed like how committed you guys are to to being here to help help the students in the school and help the community thoughts that's how I get that's how I bail out of all my long statements I just say <laughs> thoughts at the end yeah so yeah I I do just appreciate coming in and it gets me out of the day-to-day -day monotony of what 
what my job is as being a, a recruiter out here in the Hillsborough area. And so anytime that I can get away from that monotony and teach some classes or interact with the students, it's just fun. I mean, I go to other schools and like do um, open gym basketball or, you know, go out and do workouts with the different sports teams. And I'm never out there telling them, hey, like join the army, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, come to my office and talk to me about it. If people want that information, then they'll reach out and they know that I'm there. And so just having that presence, I feel like is is good enough for me. and it definitely makes me feel a lot better about what I'm doing. I, I do know that there's a stigma with being a recruiter, and I, I, don't, um, I don't buy into that. And then also, this is just a temporary position that I hold. Right. So I'm, I'm a medic normally. I have other things that I do outside of the Army and being a medic as well. And... So my sole job isn't just to get people to join the Army. It's to provide information to the community about the Army, but also to be a positive influence and set an example for the rest of the military service members and show that we care for whatever community it is that we're a part of. It definitely makes me feel good allows me to go home at the end of the day and be proud of what I'm doing and uh, and have that that support from the rest of the community yeah no I, I really appreciate it and, you know we're, we're gosh we're scheming to try to get bigger cooler uh, educational programs uh, or, or events here this year and we'll, we'll, we'll see how that turns out um, is, it, is there anything, what, what else do we need to cover about what you do in the military? Is it, are we leaning out a big chunk of, of stuff that, I mean, does everybody get a puppy for signing up or something? Like what? <laughs> no. Um, You're quite the golfer. I follow you on Instagram. Yeah, I love golf. Um, I think we need a golf coach. Yeah. I think we do. I, uh, oh, sure. I would love to help out with that. I I am going through the PGA member program right now. I work over at uh, Pumpkin Ridge, and I'm just trying to learn, you know, the basics of the golf industry, uh, get better at golf. I, I love it, so it's something that I'm passionate about. It's easy to do it all the time for me. Um, so, yeah, I do that. And I also, on the side, my wife and I, we have a few food carts that we run, um, and that's that's a lot in part due to the small business loans that the army or military uh, allows you to take advantage of, and some of the other benefits is the VA home loan. You know, a lot of the students aren't thinking about buying a home, but it is definitely something to have um, in your back pocket. Zero percent down is super nice. Oh my gosh, so, that would be incredible. <laughs> I purchased, when I was 21, I bought my first home in Georgia, and then I still just rent that out, and then I purchased a home here, and all of that was with zero money down, still the same interest rate. 
If you had zero money down, that'd be incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, like, instead of renting a place, you can just go ahead and buy it. Oh, man. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's the incentive rather than you just kind of giving your money away. It might as well be paying for a mortgage. Uh, a lot of the times a mortgage is going to be cheaper than renting. Yeah. Um, and so now you've, you've made a big purchase. Your credit is going to skyrocket. And then when you leave that area and move on to the next place, you can make that decision to sell the home. And so now you have equity that you're able to, to have, right, uh, take out of it. Or you just rent it out. And, I mean, I make money off of that each month. It's not like it just pays for itself. It pays for itself plus some. So, wow. I mean, that's, that's a big incentive. Um, back, to, back to being a medic in the Army, too. I felt like that was going to give me the most options for certifications. So, like, um, like I said, there's a lot of different avenues that you can take. You can work in a hospital. You can work in a clinic. You can work um, with the eye doctors, behavioral health. But along that way, you're also getting all these certifications. So you can uh, put in requests to be able to get your paramedics license. And so that's the next step up. Or And also your PALS, so pediatric life support, your ACLS, advanced um, cardiac life support. Wow. And so they'll pay for all of those certifications for you to get. Then you can also just put in, it's easy paperwork to put in for flight medic. And so you go uh, to training to get your paramedics license and then operate as a flight medic on a helicopter. And so that in itself, translating over to the civilian side is very lucrative um, and then once you're in that community and you're working with the pilots you put in another packet to go flat to go to be a pilot so well, like there's just all these like avenues that you can take it's not it's not like and you could do that as being a, a cook within yeah. the military like you can put in a packet to go to flight school um, or go do exciting stuff. If you want to do exciting stuff, like we definitely have the largest and most broad opportunities to be able to become a ranger or special forces. And you can, anybody that joins can go try out for special forces. And like I said, even if you're a cook or you're um, a behavioral health tech, like anybody yeah. can go do it. Um, so. I recommend to look into it, see if if the life plan, because a large portion of what I do is I help you identify all of the benefits that come with being in the military and the downsides to it. And if you were to do it on the civilian side, so if you were to you know get done with high school and you go to trade school or you go to a four years college or you go to community college. We write out and build a life plan and get the numbers for what it looks like to pay for a place on your own and just living expenses. And so we write all that out and then it usually helps uh, to understand what the full scope of everything that's happening, what you're looking at when you get out of high school and see if okay, hey, I might as well give this a shot, or no, the military doesn't sound like what I want to do, but 
this looks like it'll take care of me, yeah. you know, and I can go this route. And so just laying those things out there, I think, is, you know, something that's definitely benef beneficial. Um, very cool. we got students coming in. Oh, hey. Yeah, come, you guys here at Water Plants? Yep. Awesome. It's over there on top of that. Um, you know, this, this would probably be the worst time, but should probably introduce you. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yes, it's Staff Sergeant Lamberson. What's it? So, and you're out of the Hillsboro Army office. Is that correct? Yes. So. Okay. What, what's that called exactly? So the Hillsboro Army Career Center. Okay. There we um, go. Off of Cornell. And there we just help to provide information if anybody wants to reach out to us um, then they can come by the office uh, google it and give us a call we have somebody there monday through friday during normal business hours and i come to the school here at forest grove every other monday during okay. the lunch periods i'll be in the career center with Miss Vicki Van Lu. Mm -hmm. And so if anybody has questions or wants to pick my brain about my experience, anything like that, then I can help them go over it if they want to take the practice test. It's 20 or 30 minutes and see kind of what, what they would qualify for, even if they want to join or they don't want to join. But sure. it's kind of fun to, to see, see what you would qualify for, what kind of jobs are available. Um, do you, do you want to do you want to say what the phone number is for the for your office? Yeah. Or so the phone number is nine seven one four two zero seven three seven one, and like I said, that's Monday through Friday, nine to five. Um, yeah. So if, so if anyone's interested, they can give you guys a call or stop by Miss Van Lu's office every other Monday. Um, yeah, and I have business cards in her office as well. Um, if I'm not there, you can reach out to her, and she'll get you in contact with me or get me in contact with you. Um, well, if there's any t other time during the school day that you want me to come, uh, I also have my Instagram, which a lot of students reach out to me on there, uh, and that's SSG underscore Lamberson, L-A-M. B-E-R-S-O-N. Just post a lot of information on there and things that I do within the community or um, funny memes about the Army. And you're, 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 you're a pretty good follow on Instagram. I think that, yeah, I enjoy your posts. It's a lot to keep up with. <laughs> I, I don't have like a regular Instagram that I, I keep up with, but since coming over to recruiting, I have tried to be on there, but it takes a lot of time to come up with posts. It does. Apparently, it's bad for you too. Apparently, a bunch of papers just came out that uh, Facebook and Instagram are not good. Oh, for... I'll pass that along to my leadership so that I have to be on there. <laughs> well, yeah, they're, it's because they're addictive, I think. And uh, anyway, um, well, shoot, let's we're, let's go ahead and wrap this up here, and uh, I'm going to have to race home for conferences. Um, but uh, Ryan, thank you. This Appreciate is, it. Yeah. This is a lot of fun, and we'll keep working on other cool opportunities um, for, for this year and beyond. All right. Thanks, so, Adam. Yeah, thank you.
My new song, Selfish, on all of your favorite platforms. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. There you go. That's what I do. Uh, that's <laughs> that's you do it. it. You, do, you do it very well. Um, you just like say the same thing for 20 million takes that sounds exactly the same and then pick the one you like. <laughs> well, you'd make a great teacher.